Welcome to the Mornings with Sue and Andy podcast for Monday, December 19th. It can be quite concerning when your child has a fever and there seems to be an increased incidence of fever over the past few months in this city. So how serious a concern should it really be for parents and what is the best treatment? We'll talk about it with Dr. Ted Jablonski, our on-call family physician. Are you liable for your holiday guests? From icy sidewalks to over-serving alcohol at parties, how much responsibility is on your shoulders as a host? We get some answers from Stefan Tischler, underwriting manager from Square One Insurance. It's a first of its kind in Canada, 3D houses. Could 3D printed dwellings help address Canada's housing crisis? We'll learn about the groundbreaking technology and its applications from Ian Arthur, founder of a company called Nidus 3D. And finally, Christmas and the parties that go along with it are here. How do we protect our health from the holiday binge fest ahead of us? On this edition of Motivational Monday, we get some tips to stay the course of healthy eating and physical activity during the season with Sheila Stoneham, fitness guru and CEO of Power Warehouse. It can be very worrying when your child has a fever and there seems to be an increased incidence of just, you know, illness and fever over the past few months in the city of Calgary and really, frankly, across the country. But how serious of a concern should it be for parents, that temperature, that number, and what's the best treatment? To talk about it, we're joined this morning by Dr. Ted Jablonski, our on-call family physician. Hi, Dr. J. Good morning. Now, I have heard before that it's not necessarily the number. It's about how your child looks and is acting. But how concerned do we need to be about fever? Well, Sue, you've nailed it right there. It's really one parameter in a lot of different things. So you have to look at your overall uh, kid. How is the kid looking? How are they eating? How are they acting? Are they how are they behaving? Are they there? Are they with it or not with it? And then you put that number in the context of that. So there's no absolute number. We always get asked, you know, how high is too high? How long is too many days in a row? Uh, all these different uh, things are always asked repeatedly, and there really is no perfect answer to them. But it's usually a, it's a sign of a healthy immune system. So when we as doctors hear that a kid is running a temperature, that doesn't scare us in any way, shape, or form. We just know that that means their immune system's fighting off something. Mm-hmm. And when they fight it off uh, successfully, that fever will eventually break and go away. And that's typically what happens. But this seems to have run the gamut, Dr. J, in the sense that I've had, uh, you know, uh, stomach sickness in my house, uh, uh, the fever, and then, of course, the cough. So this seems to be, and we, we test for COVID, coming up negative. This seems to be the, the case with many family and friends and neighbors I'm talking to. People have different things going on right now. Yes, right now is not a good time. This was predicted to be a bad winter, and everything is coming true. Uh, we have a lot of respiratory illnesses that are non-COVID so in some ways, COVID is the least of our problems right right at this very moment. So we have true influenzas coming through. We have RSV, uh, which is a very nasty viral uh, respiratory illness that can really hit very young children very hard. So where COVID was actually generally pretty friendly to pediatrics or the, to younger kids, some of these other respiratory illnesses are not. So and they can have a GI component, and and, and school is in, and um, and, you know, and, 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 right? Fire, exactly. Yeah. And so we're going to see that. So we, we have to look at all these things and say, how sick is my kid? Do they really need to be seen? Or are they the same as their sibling and the, all their friends? And is this just a run-of-the-mill thing that everyone's, uh, you know, coming up against right now? Okay, so kind of a double question then. At what point do we take our child to the hospital? Uh, like, what number do we look for and behavior? And and is it feed a cold, starve a fever? Is there any such thing? Is there any truth to any of that? 
Uh, <laughs> I love it. Uh, so there's no absolute number at all. Um, you know, I, I, we believe anything above 38, 38.5 is a fever. But kids can commonly run 40-degree fevers, 39.5, 40, you know, 40.5. Those are high numbers, but they claim from a scientific point of view, you have to be above 42 to truly be in a very dangerous zone and i've never seen that we'll never see a temperature that high the body regulates it out there's really no trouble with that um and that can happen for a fair number of days that's the other question is always how many days before i get worried or when do i bring my kid in if your child is not eating well is running a high temperature if you cannot bring that temperature down at all, they are confused. There's elements like that, or they're having, with the respiratory illnesses, are they having trouble breathing? If they are not doing anything at rest and they seem to be really struggling to breathe, that's a very worrisome feature that we always want to see. If a kid is just running a high fever, but is actually active when the temperature comes down, is eating okay, you know, is coughing repeatedly, but their breathing seems okay, I'm, there's not much we're going to do. So that kid can probably stay at home and, and keep recovering. When you say not much, we're going to get back to Sue's question. Is it uh, got a cold, starve it? If you have a fever, feed it. Does, is there anything to that? Well, <laughs> feed it. I mean, we feed... Uh, <laughs> Uh, I don't think there's much to that. <laughs> let's, let's cut to the chase. Yeah. Uh, you know, interesting, all these different uh, different things that come out. Or, but keep uh, your kid yeah. hydrated, right, most importantly? Keep your kid hydrated and don't over, like, uh, again, we sometimes still see kids, especially infants, really bundled up yeah. with that high fever. Like, you know, we're going to, you know, drive it even higher so it burns out quicker. No, you get your kid in light clothing. You don't have to put them in the bath to cool them off. But bundling them up or overdressing them when they have a high fever is not a good strategy. It's yeah. best to have them very lightly clothed. Good stuff. Well, uh, thank you so much. Very timely topic there, and I know we all worry about our kids. Mm-hmm. We appreciate it. Thanks, and, and happy holidays to you, Dr. J. Oh, same to uh, both of you. Uh, yeah, may it be a very healthy uh, season for both of you. Thank you, Dr. J. You too. Okay, you bet. Bye. Dr. Ted Jablonski, our on-call family physician. The presents are under the tree, the festive season is in full swing, but are you prepared for a bad and possibly dangerous event this holiday season? Joining us to talk about it is Stefan Terschler, who is Product and Underwriting Manager, Square One Insurance Services. Good morning to you, Stefan. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you for uh, having me. Happy to be here. Well, it's not something we like to talk about, but it is something we need to be aware of and better to be safe than sorry, right? So let's talk about holiday hazards. You know, for example, you have a friend and maybe they fall on the ice or snow outside of your home. What does your insurance cover for things like this? Absolutely. That's one of the things your home insurance is definitely there for. So you have liability protection under most home insurance policies. And if someone does have that accidental slip and fall, perhaps because of something going wrong on your on your premises at your house, that's what it's going to be stepping in to help, you know, defend against and perhaps pick up those damages for. A slip on the outside, that's one thing, uh, Stefan. But let's let's talk about something we nobody wants to hear about, but it could be a possibility. High value gift under the Christmas tree, you got maybe a few gifts under there, worth a few bucks. And of course, they, they, they haven't been in your home in the sense that I have, I have receipts for a lot of things. Maybe I have pictures of a lot of things, but these are gifts that are wrapped. What if there's a robbery and those gifts are taken from under the Christmas tree? Is that covered? 
Absolutely. Yeah. Once it's in your house, once it's your property, it's your property. You know, you may not know that it's a Game Boy or, or a toaster oven yet, but it's it's still yours. And if it's stolen from your house, then your home insurance policy is there to pick that up as well. Okay, fantastic. So uh, is mm-hmm. there anything that maybe people aren't aware of and maybe need to add into their insurance or things that we, we don't really think about until it kind of happens? Definitely pay attention to the higher value things that you're picking up over the holiday season. Uh, This is when we like to buy shiny, expensive things for friends and family and and maybe even ourselves if we're feeling a bit indulgent. So if you're picking up some jewelry or even certain types of art or collectibles or certain electronics, depending on your policy, uh, you want to make sure that you have enough coverage for those special types of property. Um, Things like jewelry will often be capped around a few thousand dollars, depending upon the circumstance. So if you buy something particularly valuable, even before you gift it, maybe just give your agent a call and make sure it's listed there for you before something goes wrong. Stefan, here's one that sounds like a minefield if I've ever heard one. Uh, you host a holiday party, and, uh, you know, after the event, one of your guests has consumed too much alcohol, or consumed alcohol for that matter, and got behind the wheel and has an accident. Are you liable as the guest in your home, for example, for that accident? Oh, that's a great question. Um, and people will sometimes assume the worst here. Now, fortunately, the fact that someone has a drink in your house doesn't automatically mean that you're liable right away for anything that happens afterwards. But you're right. If you do serve alcohol to guests and you knowingly serve someone who's who's past the point of intoxication, then you're beginning to contribute to that situation where the consequences of those actions might begin to you know, fall towards you as well. Um, now, your home insurance policy may provide a degree of coverage there, but there are some exclusions under home insurance, especially related to uh, intentional acts that could be a little bit more problematic once that gets uh, gets underway. So if you're having a small private party, you know, be sensible about how much you're going to serve other people. Uh, make sure you have non-alcoholic options available, especially for your DDs, and talk about that at the beginning of the evening. Um, but if you plan on having a larger event, you're going to have friends, family, coworkers over, or maybe you're renting a community space, you can actually take out a small and affordable uh, alcohol host liquor liability policy specifically for that, just like for your weddings and other events. Yeah, because that's a slippery slope, I think, Stefan, because for for some, a lot might be three, others it might be ten, and and if the alcohol is available and I'm not pouring it or asking somebody Mm. to self-serve, there's got to be a lot of gray zones there, I I would think, eh, Stefan? Yeah, and it does become more unpredictable. The more people you have and the less control you have over what they're uh, ingesting at your party, definitely. Um, So if you're going to have a larger event, consider just adding in that host liquor liability protection right off the bat. And let's hope everybody knows that that's really the biggest no-no in the whole wide world these days. But uh, beyond that, let's talk about inside your house. Stefan, over the Mm -hmm. holidays, so you've got a Christmas tree, you've got extra lighting. Any concerns on insurance coverage for should something go wrong with any of that? Well, again, if you have your home insurance policy in place before the holidays happen, you're, you're already in a really good position there. But a few smart tips just with trees. Lights wear out over time, uh, especially outdoor lights, because here in Canada, we blast our, our rubber with cold and UV at the same time, right? Um, so just check for loose bulbs, cracked wires, check your sockets. Uh, for the trees themselves, make sure it's alive. I, I took a tree home once and discovered it was painted green, but dead. So you don't want that one in your house. It might go up like a tiki torch. <laughs> Painted to trees. Now I've heard everything. That sounds like a, a different story altogether. I have to have you on again to talk about that. Uh, thanks so much, Stefan. Appreciate your time this morning. Absolutely. Thank you. That is Stefan Tersler, Product and Underwriting Manager for Square One Insurance Services Incorporated. You can find out more about what he does at squareone.ca. 
Fascinating. What impact could 3D printed homes have on Canada's housing market and the need for more affordable solutions across our country? Joining us to talk about it is Ian Arthur, former NDP member of Provincial Parliament in Ontario and founder of Nidus 3D. Good morning to you, Ian. Did I say it right? Is it Nidus 3D? Is that the name of the company? Uh, yeah, good morning. You sure did. Excellent. Nidus, N-I-D-U-S 3D. Tell us a little bit about this. I think it's brilliant. Well, it's, uh, we're a startup and it's a really new technology, but I think it's extremely promising in terms of helping to address some of the challenges that we face in the construction sector, uh, be it a labor shortfall or, or extremely volatile, volatile cost of materials. And so what we're able to do is using a, a huge 3D printer, which is kind of like the ones you would imagine for your home, um, we kind of are able to layer concrete, a layer at a time without any forms, and you get to kind of watch a home come out of the ground. Incredible. And I wanted to ask you about that, Ian, further, because my daughter in high yeah. school used a 3D printer and she made a dice, and it was the size <laughs> of a dice. So I'm just trying yep. to wrap my head around this. So let's talk about 3D printed homes. Is this, is this, is 3D at the forefront, uh, or is, is this something that's been done uh, around the globe in other places? Uh, I think a little bit of both. I think everyone working in this sector right now is at the forefront of a brand new industry, which is extremely exciting. Uh, we we have managed to do a few that are, are the first in Canada, and I think one or two that are, are the first in the world in terms of, of what they were. But there's other groups working on, on similar things. I think a lot of people see the potential of this technology, and I think that the sort of challenges we face in, in Canada are mirrored in other countries as well. So there's been a number of these across Europe. They're starting to pop up in the U.S. Uh, so it is. It's a bit of both. Okay, so you talked a little bit about sort of, you know, when, when it begins, construction does. So what types of materials are being used in the construction? And what does it look like? Is it sort of piece by piece then? Or is it one giant printer that just prints the whole house off? It's one giant printer that prints the whole house off. And you talked about the little 3D printer that, that your daughter used in high school. And you just have to scale that in your mind until until the, the kind of box, the gantry that holds it all up is, is at least as big as, as a home. Uh, and instead of polymers or plastics, what we're printing with is concrete. And it's a standard type of concrete. It's the same as what you would see in any other type of, of masonry building. But uh, we're able to, to deploy it without any forms, which means that we have extremely efficient use of the material and that we can kind of print continuously, which allows us to, to get homes out of the ground a lot faster than other sort of construction methods. Okay, let's talk, Ian, about the stability. Yeah, you mentioned concrete, and that uh, you know yep. seems to mention that it will be stable to some extent, but... Uh, how uh, do they handle, for example, a Canadian winter? Uh, right now it's, by the way, minus 41 wind chill in Calgary. <laughs> yes, I heard that right before I came on air and was like, oh, God. Um, uh, yeah, it, it, it will stand up. We, we have concrete buildings in, in every province and I would imagine every territory in Canada. So we, we are using the same building material. We can put additives in it that, that weatherproof it and allow it to perform in the winter. And, and we've already had success doing that. So I, I don't think there's any obstacles in terms of the weather. And it, it's a really strong building material. We, we talk about these homes being a climate-resilient, multi-generational homes. Like we, we hope that they're still around in 100 years being passed down to grandkids and great-grandkids because I think that's one of the only ways we're going to manage to get more families into the housing market as quickly as we need to. We talk about it as an affordable solution coming into the interview. So what is the cost of one of these 3D printed homes then? 
Uh, we're, we're cost equivalent to other masonry structures right now. Uh, so we're, we're a little bit more expensive than wood frame, but we anticipate that falling rapidly in the coming years. Uh, I think as the technology advances, as we get just better at building these houses, I think it's going to be hard to compete with it. It's a partial automation of the construction process. Mm. And so with three very skilled laborers, we're able to, to build a house and it's fast. It's really, really fast. How fast? <laughs> About a story a day. Ooh, wow. Wow, that's going to wow. change the game. So so how do you view this? Do you view this as, for example, I want to build a new home and I and I call up the company and say, let's build a new home? Yeah. Or do you, do you envision like a whole community being built by a 3D printer? I, I think we're going to see whole communities start to happen really, really quickly. I think that uh, we have... The demand is out there for sure. We have this huge labor shortfall, which I touched on earlier, but we, we're not graduating enough skilled laborers mm-hmm. to, to replace the, the uh, baby boomers who, who are exiting the workforce in droves. And so we exist in a labor crunch already. We're, it's going to get worse before it gets better. And if we don't start using technologies like this, we're, we're never going to meet the demand. We're welcoming ever more new Canadians. Uh, to the country and, and we need to house them and we need to house the, the people who already are in precarious situations all across Canada. And so the technology, the, the cost savings that will be associated with it, I, I think we, we have to start learning how to utilize these uh, sort of developments or, or these new ideas in, in a really meaningful way to, or else we're, we're not going to get ourselves ahead. Do we have any projects like this going on, Ian, right now in Calgary or in Alberta with your company? Uh, not yet, although we are extremely excited that we are actually opening West Coast offices in the coming months. And we are anticipating, we're starting to build relationships with folks in Calgary and in Alberta to get uh, Nidus West off the ground and, and running very, very soon. So uh, we should touch back in about six months. We should have something going on. Uh, being green and uh, doing what we can for the environment, obviously top of mind these days. How does this compare particularly to a, a traditional construction of, of, of a home? Uh, it's It's got some really great innate efficiencies. So the, the, it uses very, very little material. Um, because we're mixing the concrete on site. We're not backing up endless trucks. So we'll do a big delivery of sand and aggregate and and cement that you need at the beginning, and then we just need a water supply, and we're able to mix it. And that means that we're operating with with only 1% to 3% waste, and we're keeping a lot of the trucks off the road that would normally be going on and off of a a job site. So that's good. Concrete itself has a carbon problem, and and we're working hard to lower the embodied carbon that that we have in, in the concrete we use, and you can do that with recycled aggregates with making the Portland cement in in a slightly different way, which adds a little bit of cost, but we're so efficient with our use. I think we can absorb that cost and and have a better quality product. And the last part is that I I think there's a necessity to build homes better. Uh, We we are experiencing more and more adverse weather uh, all across Canada, whether it's hurricanes on the coast or the tornado that hit Barrie or or the, the fires that you've had in Alberta that have flattened entire communities and so we need to be thinking about how we build homes that are resilient to that sort of uh, effects of the weather and I think that's exactly what the the product we have I think is exactly that. I could not wrap my head around it until I just went to your website nidus3d.com <laughs> n-i-d-u-s the number three the letter d.com and it actually shows some video of sort of you know the the starting of a, of a housing project 
brilliant. I think this really could take off and be something pretty imp- impressive. So, I, yes, let's let's check back and talk about it, Ian, in a little bit when you have something going on here in Calgary. I think it'd be really cool for people to see. Yeah, that sounds great. Thank you so much. Ian Arthur, former NDP MP and founder of Nidus 3D. It's a 3D printing home building company. Again, Nidus3D.com. The countdown is on. Christmas, a.k.a. Calorie Palooza, is just six sleeps away. With the food festivities fast approaching, we're getting ready to, well, loosen our collective belts, tighten up our bibs, get ready to dive into that food. And joining us to talk about all the proactive things we can do to protect our health from the big holiday binge is Sheila Stoneham, who is a fitness guru and CEO of Power Warehouse. Good morning to you, Sheila. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Thanks for having me on the show. I appreciate it. We need you right now. Help us out before things get out of control. How do we be proactive? Do we just deprive ourselves? Is that the answer? Absolutely not. The holidays are only come around once a year, and we should thoroughly enjoy them. But along with the, the joy, should just I've got like a few tips to help you feel good about eating and not have, have a completely guilt-free holiday. How's that? Yeah, we, I like it. We need those tips yeah. because, like you say, you don't want to be that wallflower watching your family and friends enjoy and indulge. But, you know, we want to do it with some measure. So what can we do uh, to have that balance? Well, first of all, I think a lot of people try and fit the same. If they work out, they try and think, okay, well, I'm going to do the same workout throughout the holidays and and life gets in the way. And so they just kind of they skip it and then they feel guilty. Forget that. You know what? Break it down. Break down how to, break down your workouts. Make you know you can get in the same burn and the same health benefit by breaking up your um your, into little intervals. So an example would be um, put, go for a walk twice a day instead of trying to do one big long walk. Mm-hmm. If that's what you do for exercise, instead of going to the gym and saying I'm going to get you to the gym three times a week. Maybe you give yourself a little break and you say, I'll do something different. Maybe go ice skating with friends. But do just think of your, um, your workouts in a different way. Shorter intervals, maybe different kinds of activities that may incorporate some social activity. And, uh, and, and if you have a, a tracker such as a Fitbit or a Garmin or an Apple Watch, you can see that your, these other activities can be just as beneficial as your regular routine. I think sometimes... I'm sorry, Sheila, I was just going to jump in on that note and say I think sometimes that is what really, really helps is to be able to see something on a a tracker or your watch or whatever, that you actually are doing something. You are, and there are a lot of very healthy people that don't work out for an hour at a time. And so take a page from that and break it into little increments for the day, and you'll go to bed feeling good about yourself and really enjoy your holiday. But I've got another thought for you too, which is when you're working out, try and make whether it's walking or whether it's um, it's doing a little Pilates on your mat in your in your bedroom before you you know you know fear other people in the morning whatever it is try and get more out of it so add a little bit of weight to your ankles um, put on uh, we have a, we sell weighted vests we, we say you know wearyourworkout.com is where you find them our weighted belts and what it does is it increases your heart rate so you burn more calories and you improve your cardiovascular fitness without changing the length of your routine or whatever you're doing. So these are some little ideas to get more out of what you're already doing throughout the, throughout the day without having to fit in a big gym workout. Sheila, we're such a, an odd odd creature. We, we do uh, things differently, <laughs> perhaps, than the animal world. We know that our health is important. 
But I think so many of us circle the calendar for maybe January 1st or January 2nd to make those changes as, as part of a resolution to be healthier. Is there a way to start in some way, shape, or form on this, the uh, what 19th of December, but still enjoy the holidays, but at least start that in motion and it might you know be motivation enough to not overindulge? Absolutely. I mean, here's an example. Um, yesterday, I had a, a bunch of errors I had to do. I decided to walk instead of take the car. So just a couple little decisions. You know, break the, that was my workout. I put on a weighted vest. Or weighted vest. And, and, I, and the, it, it increased my heart rate as if I was running. And I was simply just walking doing, doing Christmas errands. So you can get a start on it now by not bumping your workouts, but changing what you do and reframing what you view as a workout. So as I said, um, when you do your walks, maybe add some hills into it. So go for a walk 15 minutes at a time. You won't believe how those, those, um, those minutes add up and help with your health. So right now we're as much time pressure as we are probably right when we're into the midst of the holidays because we're preparing for them. So this is a time to start, you know, getting into the routine, making sure that you get you, you get the um, exercise throughout the day, but don't feel like it has to be all in one block. And Sheila, I mean, here it's freezing cold this week, so I don't think people yeah. are going to be out doing a lot of walking, but even if you, like you say, you're out doing your Christmas shopping or you're running around, park far away yes it's cold but that couple of minutes at least you're you're moving a little bit more right so just even those little bits they really do help don't they they do and as i said as i said if you if you okay here's a little stat if you wear four pounds of weight on your ankles no one will see them they're black discreet weight you burn 25 percent more calories just while you're christmas shopping Ooh, wow i like that absolutely. how's that yeah absolutely. it's just these are just little ideas, little things you can do. And um, I think too many of us just throw away the idea of, of walking or mall walking um, or, you know, doing a little yoga workout with a streamed video in your, in your the comfort of your own living room, thinking, oh, it's really not going to do it. It all adds up. Mm-hmm. It all adds up and it makes you feel so much better when you, when you um, sit down to the Christmas table and when Christmas and you're into New Year's, your resolutions are already in play. What about, you know, I love the different tastes. There's so many different tastes that come out over a Christmas feast, or even if you're mm. stopping by a friend's for some, from Nibbley's, there's all sorts of items out there. You know, there's usually too many dishes mm-hmm. to, to count. What about the importance of, of portion size and, and sampling a little everything versus loading your plate up? Great idea. You know, I have a rule of thumb, which is if I don't love it, I leave it. Yes. And so if somebody has made something very special that they really want you to try, take a little bite and say thank you and just move on to the next thing. So I, I have guilt-free eating because the things that I really love isn't everything on the, on the, on the, on the buffet. Yeah. You know, some, so I, just, I do the same thing. Sometimes I'll take a bite and think, is that worth the calories? <laughs> and if it's not, exactly. I'll just put it down and go to something else. Absolutely, and, and indulge in those things that really give you joy. A lot of thing is eat the things which you can, which um, the ingredients you can actually see. So mm. often calories are hidden in complex foods. Right. So meaning complex um, uh, recipes. If you if you, try and stick to that which you which you immediately recognize. You now go for the vegetables that are they're steamed and you know just and put a little sauce on the side and dip a little bit, but don't slather your vegetables with all the, the gravy and everything. So just little modifications um, will make you leave the, the, 
the table feeling like you've, you've tried everything, but you don't feel so uncomfortably full. Got about 30 seconds, Sheila, but I'll tell you what, let's flash forward to the 27th of December, a week tomorrow. Um, mm-hmm. How do we get back on track? What, what are some good tips to get back on track? I think it's, it's prioritizing. Um, when you make a list of things you need to do in the day, whether you write them down or just in your head, just add that extra little, make sure you get your movements in. Make sure you get your steps in. Make sure you, you do a really quick gym workout or a quick, yoga class or something or even if you're talking to a friend we've waited hula hoops (laughs) and it's really fun i often hula while i'm talking to a girlfriend or watching a movie just integrate you know working out with uh what you're what you're doing throughout the day and you'll you'll find that by the time you know january the first comes along you're well on your way I love it. You've got great tips, great information on your website, as well as the things you've talked about, you know, with the, the, the weighted vests and, and belts and stuff, but how to build bone strength with weights and osteoporosis, et cetera. So a lot of great information and uh, hopefully some great tips for folks as we make it through the holidays without putting on too much weight and trying to stay a little bit healthy. So thank you so much for your time this morning, Sheila. Appreciate it. My pleasure. You take care. Have happy holidays. Happy holidays. Sheila Stoneham is a fitness guru. She's the CEO of Power Warehouse and it's spelled W-E-A-R as in you wear it. So powerwarehouse.com online might be some great Christmas gift ideas there for you. Ooh, not bad. Always need all the help I can get.